I'm a dizzy daisy wheel on the edge of infinity cruising along at a breakneck speed. I don't care what anybody else wants. All I care about is what I need. All I care about is what I need, he said. Alright, hi there. Welcome back to the Nicholas Comics Q&A. Your number one source and stop and shop and all that jazz for everything regarding Nicholas Comics. Let me tell you, it's been a pretty gosh darn spicy week here in Comics Land. We got, uh, you know, some scammers trying to get free comics out of me. And they strung me along for like two days with this elaborate hoax where they said they sent in for some comics but they were unable to back their story up even a little bit like one of them like photoshops of, of like their hand over nicholas comics catalog it was ridiculous i'm not going to go into too many details over it but it was flipping wild i i flipping wasted my time with these people and it it really makes me wonder you know they like pathological liars, because, you know, I was like, come on, you, you can stop lying to me now. You didn't buy any comics, and they're just like, no, we bought comics. And then they get, like, a some random, like, 15-year-old to play a 9-year-old, and my god, it just got ridiculous. It was like something out of, like... I swear, it was like flicking... It was like freaking... It, it was it was something out of a flippin' Jerry Lewis movie, let me tell you. It was like the most elaborate Ponzi scheme I think I've ever seen. Uh, just going at it. it. It is pretty crazy, the lengths that some people will go to to, you know, just mess with me. Uh, on a related note, of course, the other factor that's made this week so hectic. So, gosh darn, H to the E to the C to the T to the I to the C is that uh, my comic Veterans Day is still being touted as racist for some reason, even though it's pro-Vietnamese and, and anti-American, because that's how I feel about the Vietnam War. I don't think the fellow making this accusation of racism understands much about the Vietnam War, Tet Offensive, or anything along those lines. Uh, so... I guess I'll just say right here, you don't, you can't speak for everyone in Vietnam. Your countrymen aren't a monolith. I'm sure there's plenty of Vietnamese fellows out there who'd really enjoy Veterans Day, because uh, it's not racist. So, uh, if you if if you're Vietnamese and you want a fun comic, uh, then check out Veterans Day: Revenge is Sweet. Available from Nicholas Comics. Just write to Nicholas Akita, 1424 Columbine Street, number one. Denver, Colorado, 8026, and you too can enjoy the harrowing, blood-curdling tale of the Vietnam War vet who's haunted by the ghost of the rural rice farmer whose, whose family he killed, and he wants revenge. It's kind of like Django Unchained, but with the Vietnam War instead of slavery. So if you're into revenge fantasies like Django Unchained, but you don't want that Quentin Tarantino cringe, then Veterans Day is the comic for you. It's not racist. It's actually a really, really nice comic if, if you just bother to read it. This fellow who's accusing the comic of being racist hasn't read it, and he won't buy it because he says he doesn't buy racist things, even though if he bought it and read it, 
he'd probably figure out it wasn't racist. Or maybe he'd remain in denial. I don't know. Uh, speaking of Quentin Tarantino, last week we happened upon the Quentin Tarantino archives. This is the official Quentin Tarantino site that purports to be the official Quentin Tarantino site, forum.tarantino.info. Um, and it's been around since, like, 1999. It says, the best place on the internet for Tarantino fans since 1999. So, obviously, quite, quite a while, like 22 years here. If you know, if you know me, you know I flippin' can't stand Quentin Carpatino. Is the he is the embodiment of everything I dislike about modern Hollywood. Uh, he's elitist. He talks down to the viewer. He treats the viewer like a toddler. And none of his movies are original, but they all pretend like they're the hottest shit. This is the kind of shit I can't stand in a movie. I think uh, what really strikes me about Quentin Tarantino is that he, he hits a new level of incompetence as a filmmaker. His first movie, My Best Friend's Birthday, which is from 1987, was like... is like half lost. It's fucking pathetic. Like, can you imagine being, a, being a, an aspiring filmmaker and you make your first movie and that's just you just lose half of it? You might say, oh, this is before the internet, so he couldn't upload it to YouTube or anything. Bullshit. They had VHS in 1987. If, if he didn't transfer his movie onto VHS, then, then that's his deal. Everyone always says Quentin Tarantino worked at a video rental store, and that's some kind of qualifier for becoming an incredible director. But let me tell you, back in the 80s, working at a video rental store was about the same as working at a fucking Wiener Schnitzel stand. It wasn't some kind of out-there eccentric profession. It was just a normal-ass job that people had, you know, because VHSs were just a normal product that people bought and sold. You know, like clothes. So working at a video rental store is about as unique or, you know, inspirational as working at, like, a fucking McDonald's. Sorry, but that's just how it is. Anywho, I figured that for a good laugh, we might have a look here at the Quentin Dorito forums and check out this specific thread. This one goes all the way back to 2005, April 2005. Three years after I was born, and it's started by a moderator uh, who has a profile pic of it looks like shirt shirtless Quentin Tarantino. I, 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 I never knew that... Quentin got down into the buff for any of his uh, movies, but I suppose it's possible. He looks kind of like the Hulk there, just really angry because people are making better movies than him. Uh, anywho, so, so let's check this out. This is Did You Know QT Trivia, and I, I like how they, how they call Quentin Tarantino QT. It reminds me of that hyper-pop song. Uh, you know, hey QT or whatever, with the British lady, and she's like in a transparent cube, and she's got all these wires hooked up to her. That's what this is reminding me of. Anywho, uh, here's how it goes. Every post here has to contain useful information on Tarantino. Not sure how useful Quentin Tarantino trivia can be, considering that none of his movies take place in the real world, or anything even remotely 
you know, even a, even a remote facsimile of the real world, so I'm not sure how applicable Quentin Tarantino trivia can be. You know, like if, you're, if you want to get a GED or a PhD or something, I don't think Quentin Tarantino trivia is going to come in handy with that. Uh, anywho, rule number two, the format is, did you know that Tarantino, your trivia... Number three, do not post anything but useful trivia posts in here so that this can, can become some sort of QT trivia archive. Well, good, you know, that's happened now. This is the mother load of all QT trivia. Not, not QT, the hyperpop singer. Again, Quentin Tarantino. Rename the subject of your post like this. Quentin Tri Tarantino trivia number, depending on how many there already are. If possible, include links to Tarantino.info's main page, interviews, whatever, pictures, or other data to your Did You Know trivia to, in order to enrich it with facts. Do not copy trivia from imdb.com or other websites. We don't want plagiarism. Please come up with our own stuff. Stuff you, I think he means your own stuff. Stuff you've read on this website or read in QT books. Man, just writing entire books about this guy. What a chore. Think of this as a topic where people can actually do research on interesting Tarantino facts. So I guess the actual site is Tarantino.info, and this is just the forum. So if we remove forum.tarantino, if we remove the forum part, let's see what Tarantino.info entails. Different site. Oh, wow, the Quentin Tarantino archives. You got a True Romance Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD HDR Blu-ray. HD satellite dish hookup, 4K, 5K, 6K Ultra HD HDR RDR EDM. We're talking a serious gush dang, you know, full-on restoration of this cinematic masterpiece, True Romance. It looks like a fake movie. It looks like someone just photoshopped Christopher Walken's face in there. Never even heard of this one. What even is this? Poor Quentin Tarantino. He hasn't been anything good as of late. That Fat Boy Slim music video is awesome, but... He's in, like, Nine Lives with Kevin Spacey. Oh man, what do we got here on the Quentin Tarantino archives? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. So, Quentin Tarantino, this is coming soon. Uh, he's going to make a novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Being the brilliant auteur he is, he's going to turn his crappy movie into a crappy uh, paperback that looks... The cover looks authentic enough, except for the fact that, you know, Margot Robbie's on it without any shoes on. And, and you know, it's not the kind of thing you'd, you'd see in a flippin', flippin', you know. That's not what you'd see on a 1969 paperback. See Sharon Tate without shoes on. You'd, you wouldn't see Margot Robbie without shoes on. God, Quentin Tarantino has a foot fetish and... Why does he just shove it in your face? It's ridiculous. Can't you just put Margot Robbie on the cover with her shoes on or just, just her face? You, you gotta show her feet. Okay, Quentin Tarantino, you weird prevert. Alright. Anyway, the, uh, the tagline is... Hollywood 1969. You should have been there. And, uh... 
Yeah, how old's Quentin Tarantino? Was he there? Let's see. Was Quentin Tarantino in Hollywood in 1969? Oh, he's born in 1963. He's two years younger than my mom. So in 1969, he would have been, uh, what, six? 64, 65, 6, 7, 8, 9. Yeah, he would have been 6. So, you know, one has got to wonder exactly how much experience he had with the world of 1969 Hollywood. You know, is, is he like a 6-year-old like and he's just walking around to all these, like, wild clubs? Was he there at the fucking Whiskey-A-Go-Go? Yeah, I really doubt it, Mr. Tarantino, you fucking fake. Uh, he was born in Tennessee, so. I mean, yeah, he's in Los Angeles, but I really doubt he knows that much shit about 1969 Los Angeles. I know more about 1969 Los Angeles than fucking Quentin Tarantino. This is the stupidest piece of shit, and it looks really thick. I can only imagine Quentin Tarantino, the fucking madman, typing out this garbage novel on his fucking word processor. Man, it must be crazy the amount of time that he devotes to these projects that are worthless. Quentin Tarantino's long-awaited first work of fiction, at once hilarious, delicious, and brutal, is the always surprising, sometimes shocking new novel based on his Academy Award-winning film. So it's not a novel, it's a novelization. They're two different things. This is not a this is not an original story. It's based off his movie, so it's a novelization, whether he likes it or not. Man, this just looks awful. Rick Dalton. Once he had his own TV series, but now Rick's a washed-up villain of the week, drowning his sorrows in whiskey sours. Will a phone call from Rome save his fate or seal it? Cliff Booth. Rick's stunt double, and the most infamous man on any movie set because he's the only one there who might have gotten away with murder. Sharon Tate. She left Texas to chase a movie star dream and found it. Sharon's salad days are now spent on Cielo Drive, high in the Hollywood Hills. Charles Manson. The ex-cons got a bunch of zonked-out hippies, thinking he's their spiritual leader, but he'd trade it all to be a rock and roll star. Hollywood 1969. You should have been there. Well, darn Quentin Tarantino, not everyone was born in 1963. Some of us were born in 1970 or later. So I guess we'll have to settle for Hollywood 1971. Or 72. I can't imagine it'd be that different from Hollywood 69. Saying that, you know, how it, how it sounds. Anyway, uh... Man, can you imagine six-year-old Quentin Tarantino going around and thinking he's hot shit? And then he, he hears about the Manson killings and he's like, Oh, I could make a movie out of this someday. And and he's like playing with his fucking speaking spell or not speaking spells because I don't think those were around in '69. Freaking, you know what, Mr. Potato Head or whatever. That that must have been a laugh riot. Man, this this is looking like some hot shit. Oh boy, man, I can't wait for this. 
Maybe if I sell enough comics, I'll, I'll buy this book just for the just for the comedic value of it. Because honestly, you know, I paid to watch the movie, so I see no reason why I shouldn't pay to watch, to read the book. May as well. I mean, I don't feel bad about giving Quentin Tarantino my money. At this point, he's just going to retire after his next movie anyway and, and just write a bunch of novels. So, I mean, serious, you know, who cares, right? I think that's an interesting direction for him. I bet he's as shitty a writer as he is a fucking director. God, this looks like, like an actual 60s novel like Valley of the Dolls or something, but without, you know, the societal commentary. It looks like... It looks like it, it it looks like the embodiment of the movie. It looks like like this tan color on the cover is like, yeah, we kind of want to be a pulpy, you know, fun adventure, but we we can't really cuz it, you know, it's got to be a serious fucking thing. It's got it's we we got we got to tone it down a little. You know, we have flamethrowers and shit. We also have just like scenes of people talking for an hour. We got Margot Robbie's feet, okay? Uh, just so freaking stupid. This looks like this looks like this looks exactly how I'd imagine a novelization of the movie to look. Amazing, Quentin Tarantino, you fucking mad genius, you. Anyway, we got some other articles on here. I'll just go over them real quick. Once upon a time in Hollywood, full trailer. Official theatrical poster for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood goes full retro. I, I have no fucking idea how the theatrical poster for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood goes full retro. It looks very new because, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's on it, and Leonardo DiCaprio wasn't around in 1969, and neither was Margot Robbie or Brad Pitt. So I guess by full retro, it just means that there's some scenes from the movie uh, on the poster which I guess is retro, even though a lot of posters from 1969, like for shampoo and stuff, were just very minim minimalist. Shampoo's 1969, right? 1975. The poster's really minimalist. A lot of posters from 1969 and thereabouts are pretty minimalist. Anyway, you know, there's like, uh, they kill horses, don't they? Or they shoot horses, don't they? So this poster's supposedly minimalist. I'll look at that one in a sec, but first... Revised trailers for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Quentin Tarantino present The Swinging Sixties. A series of ten films personally curated by Tarantino, which are probably all better than anything Quentin Tarantino has ever made, but still aren't the best movies of the sixties, because Quentin Tarantino has really shitty taste in movies. Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, Cactus Flower, Model Shop, Getting Straight, The Wrecking Crew. God, it's fucking stupid. These all look these all look so much better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Thank God these movies exist. Anywho, Quentin Tarantino on a three-hour episode of Pure Cinema. Man, I can't wait to listen to Quentin Tarantino talk for three hours. I only make this this show flipping two hours, because three hours is a long time. Dang. You know, I had a three-hour episode a while back. Quentin Tarantino talking for three hours. That must be intense. Review. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
And of course, it's always stylized when they say it. Once upon a time in Hollywood. I don't think once upon a time in the West or once upon a time in America have those ellipses, you know, because they're not pretentious piles of shit. Anyway, teaser trailer, the first date, authorized Quentin Tarantino documentary. Oh boy, a Quentin Tarantino documentary. I can't, I can't wait to know all the insights of this wonderful genius of a man who looks like the, he looks like a goblin. Tarantino, the bloody genius. QT8, the first date review. Awards pile up for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on Oscar nomination announcement day. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Blu-ray retrospective. Sukiyaki Western Django Extended Cut arrives on Blu-ray. Tarantino announces two books for 2021. 20 years of the Tarantino archives. See new footage from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and learn about all translations to its novelization. Can't, can't be that hard to make a novel out of it. It's not a complex story. Anyway, let's see the uh, official theatrical poster article, because they say it goes full retro, but I don't fucking think it's full retro, because they got the, the credits down at the bottom. Also, it says Sony at the bottom, so that's definitely not retro. And the Columbia Pictures logo is modern, so that's not retro. So I don't even know what, what they're talking about here with, Oh man, this is so fucking retro. Let's see here. Uh, it's full-on retro style. Not only that, it's full of detail and gimmicks. Have a close look. Including things that we hear won't even be seen in the actual film. That's just called lying. It's just called lying to your audience. I saw this poster, and I, and I thought, oh, it looks cool. Because there's, like, you know, a car chase. And there's some, like, girl on the phone with a teddy bear. That wasn't in the movie. And then there's, like, another car, and so, I guess that's Charlie Manson in front of it. This poster is shit, because, you know, an actual poster for, like, a good movie will just have, like, a simple graphic or something on it, or it'll have something that's from the actual movie, you know? That's kind of the point of a poster, like, to show your audience what the, what the movie is kind of like. But if all, if all you can do on your poster is just lie to your audience, because they're speculating about, man, what's going to be in this movie? I sure want... Shut up, you know? poster isn't fucking retro this wouldn't convince me like if someone if someone showed me this poster and told me it was fucking retro uh i i would i would fucking squawk at that because this is clearly not a, an actual poster from 1969 like i said the novel looks okay it has it has a kind of 1969 novel type font on the cover uh, obviously leonardo dicaprio's on it so that's not that kind of ruins the mood. But, um... The poster's just fucking awful. On the top here, you have this font that I guess Quentin Tarantino thinks is really 1969, but it's just a font that you can get off Google. Nobody in 1969 was using this font. It looks like some shit from MS Paint. I don't think this font's on MS Paint. I think it's just some shit you can buy on a stock font website. 
awful. This is not the shit that would be in 1969. Again, like, any, anyone who thinks this, is, this looks like a poster from 1969 does not understand how movies worked in 1969. It's just fucking awful. After you drooled all over this poster, scroll down and follow the link to learn more about the movie and check out the poster in different language varieties. We love it. Yeah, how many different languages can you put this poster into? It's just a picture. It's just a bunch of pictures. Anyway, you got Bruce Lee there. You got I know this guy with the muscles is. I guess he was in the movie. I forgot. I forgot about him because he's so fucking forgettable. Then you have Al Pacino off on the left here, wishing he was in a better movie like Serpico or something. But his glory days are behind him, and he can't become a comedic actor like Robert De Niro because he already tried that in Jack and Jill and it bombed because people don't have good taste anymore. God, what a fucking awful poster! You call you call it you call this drool worthy this isn't a retro poster because everything in 69 like i said very minimalist you wouldn't have fucking nine different things going on at once and then three giant faces on the top this isn't how posters were in 1969 a, a movie i hear quentin tarantino saw during his youth uh, is deliverance let's let's see the poster for deliverance here real quick i bet it's not Tin scenes from Deliverance with like the the faces of fucking John Voight and Burt Reynolds on the on, on the top. Let's see here. Oh, Deliverance. Let's see. Let's see the actual poster. Wow, this is a good poster here. We got one ice eye catching graphic. We got the gun coming out of the water, the ripple of the arm, and the barrel of the gun on the water, and we got John Voight and Burt Reynolds down in the. In the, in the left corner, but they're very understated. You know, you, they're, not, they're not giant, and they're not giant sketches like, like they're of Brad Pitt and, and, and uh, what's his name, Leonardo DiCaprio. And on the top there, you got a canoe, but it's very small. It's off in the distance. You know, this is a mysterious poster. It's saying, dang, what did happen on the Kalawasi River? This makes me want to go and see Deliverance, because this poster is fucking awesome. Uh, this poster makes me think, who's those guys in the canoe? Who's holding the gun at them? You know, why is the gun so big and they're so little? And, and John Voight and Burt Reynolds are in it. Those are both good, respectable actors. They aren't fucking Harley Quinn and fucking Titanic. They aren't fucking Rome Romeo and, and Man in the Iron Mask and fucking... Leonardo DiCaprio. Imagine if Jonathan Taylor Thomas was a big star these days. That'd be fucking wild. Imagine if anyone, like, took Jonathan Taylor Thomas seriously. Anyway. That's how Leonardo DiCaprio's gone. He's just hot. That's the only reason anyone ever... That's the only reason his career took off. Then we got Carnal Knowledge. Okay, and I really like the poster for Carnal Knowledge, because it's just words. There's not even any pictures. Really understated. Also, if you notice here on the Deliverance poster, this, this, retro, this is a retro aspect of the poster, but they don't have the fucking Sony logo down at the bottom, or the fucking Columbia Pictures logo, and they don't have a fucking hashtag that says, hashtag once upon a time in Hollywood, and they don't have a fucking soundtrack on Columbia Records, or 
for future info, go to filmratings.com because filmratings.com didn't exist yet because the internet didn't exist yet. Here on the nice deliverance poster, we just have a really nice R restricted. Just the nice rating system because that already existed. You got the rating system and then you got the little world logo that says, you know, the MPAA or whatever. That's all you need. This poster doesn't say, well, it says from Warner Bros. down in the credits, but it doesn't have the carnal knowledge poster. It's just a bunch of words, and they're just going around the poster. And, it, you know, it, I mean, it's got Jack Nicholson, so it could have Jack Nicholson on the poster, and that would probably draw in a big crowd, but it doesn't have his face on the poster. Because back here, you know, back in the, back in this period of film, you know, making posters was a respectable art form, and people took it seriously. And also, you know, it, the idea is, is from Jules Pfeiffer, and he's a funny guy, and he has, he has a kind of twisted sense of humor, so that's why this poster is so out there. Again, we just got the little R logo in the bottom left. It just says, Under 17 requires an accompanying parent or adult guardian, the little globe logo, that's fine. We got in the middle Mike Nichols, Jack Nicholson, Candace Bergen, Arthur Garfunkel, and Margaret, and Jules Pfeiffer, Colonel Knowledge. The font that these names are in is really good, and very, and very evocative of the time that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is set. So if Quentin Tarantino actually wanted to make it look like a, a movie from 1969, he probably should have used the font from Colonel Knowledge, or just any font from any movie poster from 1969. And then around the edge, you got these these credits that normally would be on the bottom, like in the Deliverance poster, but here they're wrapped around the poster. This is a very nice-looking, stylistic poster here. Joseph E. Levine presents a Mike Nichols film starring Jack Nicholson. Then you have to turn your head. Candace Bergen, Arthur Garfunkel, and Margaret, and Colonel Lodge with Rita Marino, Cynthia Neal production. And then you have to turn your head all the way upside down. Production designer Richard Silbert, written by Jules Pfeiffer, executive producer Joseph E. Levine, produced and directed by Mike Nichols, and AFCO Embassy release Panavision Technicolor. It's as simple as that, really, when designing a good poster. The Once Upon a Time in Hollywood poster's a piece of shit. And clearly it's just got Margot Robbie in the middle there doing her shimmy shake because you want to get all the horned up guys in here. But it's, it's, it's a garbage poster. This looks like shit. This looks like a fake poster that you'd see in a movie set in 1969 that was actually good. But if, you know, maybe, maybe the director didn't, like, care too much, he just tossed this thing together in fucking Photoshop in, like, five seconds. He just used, like, the pencil tool on a photo of Leonardo DiCaprio he had lying around and go, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, there you go, fake movie. I have a hard time believing this movie exists. I still have a hard time believing it exists. That's the amount of cinematic garbage that this movie is. That's the slap in the face that this movie is to, to movies as an art form, movies in general. Anyway, getting a bit off topic here, let's move on to the main event, the, the, the big... The big honkin' thread, the QT trivia. So I'm sure that this thread is going to have quite a few facts. You're going to open my mind up, totally expand my flippin' perspective here, because, man, Quentin Tarantino is just such a complex guy, and there's so much shit I don't know about him, man. He, 
He's so different, man. He, he's so interesting. Gosh dang. Quinn Tarantino. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he has more interesting stories than someone like fucking David Lynch or you know, Louis Bunel. I'm sure Quentin Tarantino has the most interesting life experience because he's, he's just a fucking pasty ass. He looks like the Hulk in this first picture. There's even like a green shade or something. Let me search, go, let me go, reverse image search that. Anyway, so the rules. It uh, has to contain useful information, whatever that means. The format is, did you know that Tarantino, uh, nothing but useful trivia posts, so this can become a, a trivia archive. Rule four, rename the subject of the post, like Tarantino trivia number so-and-so. Uh, include links and sources. Do not copy trivia from IMDb, no plagiarism, obviously, and think of this as, you know, research on interesting Tarantino facts. So let's dive in. Uh, so the, the moderator says, I'll add more when I can think of it. Please send me a personal message if you want to comment on this or ask me something. Now let's see how you guys are doing. I will not participate in this topic. I think there are enough capable men and women in here who can do an outstanding job on this. The first person answering this should enter as post-subject Tarantino trivia number one or number one, whatever. So you can't decide whether it should be number one or the abbreviation for number. Anyway, this was created in April 05. The last reply was November 2017. I guess there just hasn't been any interest in Quentin Tarantino trivia since 2017, which is pretty sad. Yeah, someone asks, is Tarantino naked in your avatar? Yeah, I bet. Tarantino probably thinks he's the hottest man alive. Yeah, he's full... F I've been on a mini... There's an R slash movies. I've been on a mini Tarantino kick and something recently dawned on me. For a filmmaker that indulges in what many call boyish impulses, and from what I've heard and seen about his fetish, feet, his movies to my knowledge have no cases of female nudity. It's actually the opposite. He goes the taboo route and has full frontal male nudity. Side Bruce Willis dick in Pulp Fiction. Upside down Jamie Foxx dick in Django Unchained. Far away random dude dick in the hateful eight. Does this mean anything? Maybe about turning expectations of ultra-violent babe-filled action extravaganzas on their heads? Or does it mean absolutely nothing at all? Well, definitely doesn't mean Quentin Tarantino is gay. I think he's like the most heterosexual man alive. Because all his movies are like what a fucking caveman would make. That's an insult to cavemen even. I'm sure there were some gay cavemen. It doesn't mean he's gay. It just means that he does that because if he had a bunch of breasts and, and full frontal female nudity in his movies, then he'd be called out for the misogynist that he is. So he's kind of got to stray away from that. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he's not into Bruce Willis's feet. I can tell you that. He's into Margot Robbie's feet. That's why her feet are on the cover of his perverted novelization. Anywho, here we go. Diving into the trivia here. Did you know that the fun-loving criminal song Scooby Snacks features dialogue pieces from Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction? After that, a legal wrangle took place where Tarantino demanded co-writing credits. 
he didn't co-write the song. It just happens to have dialogue in it that he wrote. Absolutely sounds like something Quentin Tarantino would do because he's a he's a conceited piece of shit. A song just samples some dialogue from his movies, and he he didn't co-write it, but he's like, yeah, I fucking wrote this because because it has a sample in it. And he doesn't understand fair use. Sounds exactly like Quentin Tarantino, the fucking bloated ego. Everything about the man, I, I believe this 100%. Did you know that despite rumors of all the clocks in Pulp Fiction being set to 4.30, this is in fact false? Dang, I didn't know that, because I never even knew there were rumors of all the clocks in Pulp Fiction being set to 4.30, because I don't fucking watch Pulp Fiction. I read real Pulp Fiction, which is better than the movie Pulp Fiction, because it actually understands what it is. Uh, but yeah, that, that, sounds, that sounds correct to me. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is not fucking Stanley Kubrick. He does not pay attention to every little detail. He's not the kind of director who gives a shit about the movies he pumps out. So, yeah, I can't imagine him going through and setting all the clocks to 4.30. That doesn't sound like something he'd do. And we're talking about the movie whose caliber of humor is the fucking McShwarma joke. Anyway. Did you know that Mr. White in Reservoir Dogs is in fact the father of Jimmy in Pulp Fiction? You see this from the deleted scenes of Reservoir Dogs, where you see Mr. White's sure name is Dimmick. And if you look closely at the scene where the wolf is taking down names in the hotel room, Pulp, you see he writes Jimmy's sure name, Dimmick. Might also be another relative, but the name relation is at least there. Also, in the Yuki's Revenge chapter in Kill Bill, not in the film, the bride calls a nurse named Dimmick. Amazing. Quentin Tarantino is really pulling out all the stops here. He just calls everyone a random dimmick and you assume they're related. They're not related. Maybe Mr. White and Jimmy are fucking third cousins. Who knows? It's the same with red apple cigarettes. It makes no sense. These connections don't make any sense. I don't think Quentin Tarantino's movies all take place in the same fucking universe. He's really not that smart to create a coherent universe where everything connects, you know, because that takes, that, that takes a little time. You'd have to go around and map all your movies out on one sheet. And that can't be done with Quentin Tarantino's movies because they're all fucking nonsense. Anyway. Did you know that in the original version of From Dusk Till Dawn, Quentin Tarantino wrote that the Fuller family and the Gecko family survived the ordeal? What is this, fucking Gordon Gecko? Is it fucking Wall Street or is it fucking Geico? Is, is the Geico lizard in From Dusk Till Dawn? So stupid. Here, I, I have a piece of trivia here to add to this thread. Did you know that Quentin Tarantino is both impotent and incontinent, so he earned the nickname Quentin Incompetent? There you go. There's there's a Quentin Tarantino trivia for you. Now, now, now you can brag about that you know this scintillating Quentin Cheeto trivia to all your pals. Did you know that the Ezekiel speech Jules gives was originally part of From Dusk Till Dawn? Tarantino decided very late to take this out and put it into Pulp Fiction. 
brilliant. I love filmmakers who take speeches designed for one character and then just plop them into another movie with another character because all their characters are the fucking same. Poorly written, poorly thought out, and it doesn't matter who makes what speech because it's all a bunch of nonsense. Great. Brilliant. Did you know that in all of QT's movies, there is a Red Apple's cigarettes advertisement at least once? Golly gee, gee whiz, I did know that. Brilliant. Red Apple cigarettes. Man, you know, when fucking Mike Judge can make a more interesting fictional brand like fucking Brondo in his movie Idiocracy, you know, I, I, I really don't think it takes that much to make a defictionalized product. It's not that hard. You know, it's not some kind of brilliant shit. It goes all the way back to fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Let's not kid ourselves. Wonka bars sold big. But Quentin Tarantino is such a weirdo that he doesn't even take advantage of all the merchandising opportunities that could happen if, like, Red Apple Cigarettes was actually a real brand. And maybe that's because he doesn't want to support smoking, but if you don't want to support smoking, why make a fake cigarette brand to begin with? Why not just make it a fucking candy bar or something? Anyway. Did you know that in Pulp Fiction, Honey Bunny first says, Any of you fucking pricks moving, I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. And in the final scene, she says, Any of you fucking pricks moving, I'll execute every one of you motherfuckers. Dang, I never would have noticed that. That That's amazing. We're talking about a fucking auteur right here. We're talking about a genius. Oh my gosh, this character, Honey Bunny, says two things that are slightly different the, the same way or a different way, kind of. Okay, amazing. Did you know that QT borrowed elements from the film Ride the Whirlwind, which he wrote an article about that can be found on the Pulp Fiction Collector's Edition DVD for both Reservoir Dogs and From Dusk Till Dawn? Mr. Blonde's slow, casual way of torturing Marvin, echoes of the unhurried nature of the stagecoach robbing scene in Whirlwind, when, while the concept of a father trying to maintain stature and control over his family when being held hostage can be seen in both Whirlwind and Dusk Till Dawn. I see, so when QT rips off all these elements from movies he's seen, it's not plagiarism, but when some random band samples dialogue from his movie in their song, then it is plagiarism. I see. I see. We're holding Quentin Tarantino to a bit of a different standard here, aren't we? Maybe the uh, writer of Ride the Whirlwind ought to ask for co-writing credits from Quentin Tarantino, because, I mean, obviously it's about the same. Jesus. How, how, how non-self-aware can you get with this stuff? Did you know Sam Jackson has involved in every QT movie, the ones he's directed at least? He auditioned for the role of Mr. Orange in Reservoir Dogs and stars in Kill Bill, Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown. Amazing. Darn, I, I, guess, that's a, I, guess, he's, I guess that's not true anymore. I don't think he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but that's sad. You know, Samuel L. Jackson's a good actor. He's in Jurassic Park. He's in Die Hard 3s and... He's in Snakes on a Plane. Great movies. And none of, the, none of his mo good movies are Quentin Tarantino ones. 
Jeez, Mr. Orange, it sounds like a fucking board game. It sounds like Sorry. You know, you ever play Sorry? All like colored pieces? Maybe like Candyland or something? Any game where there's a lot of differently colored pieces? Uh, any of them. Has an IQ measured at 160. Let's see an IQ chart here. How high is that? I bet, I bet, I bet Quentin Tarantino is a flipping genius. I bet he's fucking off the, off the rails here. What, what's he got? Oh. Let, no, let's see here. The bell curve. Uh, oh yeah, one, 160 is extremely high. If we're talking index scores, that's like fucking genius. Oh wow, Quentin Tarantino is so smart. I thought for a minute that they might have listed something like 85 or something, which is actually really low, you know, but, but they'd, but they'd, they'd, they'd act like it was high, but they just looked at, at, a, at, a, at a drawing of an IQ chart and chose the highest, the highest score possible. Gee, some, some of these charts don't even include 160 because it's like statistically impossible. Most of them end at like 145. Yeah, sure. I I buy that Quentin Tarantino is at the fucking upper echelons of the IQ the IQ test. IQ scores one one hundred and sixty and up. Unmeasurable genius. All right, whatever you say. And even though the uh, the post obviously uh, asked for sources, this claim is not sourced, so I'm gonna go ahead and, and say that Quentin Tarantino probably has, uh, an average intelligence. I'm not gonna say he's an idiot, but I am gonna say he has a very average intelligence. He's kind of like a saltine cracker in that regard. He's, he's very bland and generic, so I'm gonna go with 85 to 115. I'm not gonna go with 160. Sorry about that. I just don't buy it, not even for a minute. I'm like above average, maybe high. I don't know. I'm not 160. That's that's absurd, dude. You can't just say you're at the top of the IQ chart. That's fucking stupid. That's that that that's a really good way to have people stop being your friend if you're just like I'm 160 on the on IQ. Yeah, yes, I really believe Quentin Tarantino has the same IQ as Merlin Voss Savant or something. Uh, anywho. Named after the Burt Reynolds character, Quinn Asper from Gunsmoke. He lost his virginity to a hooker when he was 16. Yeah, sounds about right. He's, he's a sexual deviant, so that explains it. He was buying prostitutes when he was underage. That, that makes a lot of sense now that I think about it. That's why he objectifies women so much. Anyway. Is a big Three Stooges fan. His father, Tony Tarantino, is of Italian descent, and his mother is half Irish and half Cherokee Indian. While this all sounds like shit from the Wikipedia article, and I thought the top post said just don't plagiarize shit from the Wikipedia article or IMDb. I mean, it didn't say Wikipedia, it just said IMDb. But, uh, yeah, all, all this stuff is on the Quentin Tarantino's Wikipedia article. Also... His first noted screenplay was titled Captain Peach Fuzz and the Anchovy Bandit, which was written in 1985. Yeah, that's nice. Everyone writes fake screenplays when they're fucking... What? What age is he here? Like... 22? 
Because he's born in 1960. Yeah. Yeah, 22. And he's writing Smokey and the Bandit fanfic. Jeez. That's so, that's so, that's so sad. Why can't he make up his own story? You know, all the way back in 1985. And this is very fitting, because all his movies are just rip-offs of better movies. So it makes sense that his first screenplay would just be a, a Smokey and the Bandit rip-off where he changes the names. It, it, it was Smokey and the Bandit. Now it's Peach Smokey and the, the, the Anchovy Bandit. He steals fucking salty fish. Genius. Quentin Tarantino, you, you salty genius, you. Claims that James Best taught him how to act. Well, he visited his acting school. It's a real shame that Quentin Tarantino attends all these acting schools and doesn't pick up on anything. And, and none of the talent rubs off on him. He's like, he's like hydrophobic sand. It, you know, you, you soak the sand and it just stays dry. That's how Quentin Tarantino is. He just stays talentless all the time. And it doesn't even make any sense because he watches... He, wa he, has, he watches a lot of good movies and he's influenced by all these wonderful movies, but his, but his movies are fucking trash. So, you know, it, it's pretty crazy. James Best. Anywho... His acting teacher was actually that woman hostage in From Dusk Till Dawn that Richie eventually rapes and kills. She should be shot in real life for doing such a bad job on our man Q. Yeah, here's an idea. Stop talking about how Quentin Tarantino's acting teacher should be shot in real life. She's probably of 200 times better at acting than Quentin Tarantino. Fucking psychopaths here on the Quentin Tarantino forums. This is pretty, this is pretty disturbing. Did you know that QT had Jean-Luc Godard's King Lear on his acting resume, but he's not in it? He lied? Yeah, sounds like the shit Quentin Tarantino would do, saying he's in a Jean-Luc Godard movie and he's not because he... Jean-Luc Godard wouldn't step within a fucking mile of this guy. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I, I can definitely see Quentin Tarantino committing fraud to, to get the to get a better role. Hey, I was I was in Breathless. I, I was, I swear. I, I, I was in Breathless. I, I was there, man. You just got you just got to believe, man. Did you know that even though Connie McHugh and Quentin's longtime stepfather Curtis Zestupil have been divorced since the 80s and she remarried to a guy named Jan Bahush, she still uses the last name Zestupil? No, n never heard of that. I, I can't say I know about that, but yeah, it's not too crazy that after b marrying a guy and, and you know, you. you you take his last name, you might retain it. That's uh, not that's not insane or anything. I've heard of that kind of thing happening. And then and they say, well, this Stupel guy was also a musician. Connie is quite the groupie, huh? Connie, of course, being Quentin Tarantino's mom, who gets tons of respect for no reason. She's birthed this abomination onto the world. But what a what a weird flipping thing it is. Man, I tell ya.
Poor, poor, poor woman. Anyway, the, this guy accuses her of being a groupie just because Curtis Stupel is a musician. And that's not how it works. To be a groupie, you have to do very groupie things. You know, very groupie-ish activity. I don't know if Connie McHugh was a groupie, I'm saying, but it's kind of it's kind of demeaning to just imply casually that she was a groupie. She probably was just into him, and they probably just hit it off. That's all I'm saying. Anywho. Did you know that Quentin's a moderate liberal? Yeah, probably. I mean, he's not conservative. I know that much. But being a moderate liberal like I am doesn't excuse making fucking trash movies. I don't excuse that, you know. Fine, Quentin Tarantino isn't a racist or a conservative. Well, he is, he is a misogynist but and a chauvinist, but, you know, that that's just because... You know, he doesn't understand the subtext of the movies he, he rips off or takes inspiration from. That That's nice that he's a liberal and all, but, you know, it's nothing amazing. I'm not going to give him, like, props for that. It doesn't take a lot of integrity to be on the left. It just takes, like, basic basic decency. I, I, I'm not going to go like, oh, man, Qu Quentin Tarantino's a liberal like I am? Yeah, okay, fine. He's not a, he's not a Republican. Fine. Fine, fine by me. Anyway. Did you know that Quentin's first writing job was a TV movie called Past Midnight? Anyway. Uh, darn, I didn't know that. Did you know Quentin Tarantino always has a Dutch element in his films? The opening tune... Little Green Bag and Reservoir Dogs. The character Freddie Neuendyke, played by Tim Roth, is a direct translation to a typical dust last, last name, Neuendijk. The code name of Tim Roth is Mr. Orange, the royal color of Miss of Holland, and the last name of the royal family. The Amsterdam Conversation in Pulp Fiction. Vincent Vega smokes from a Dutch tobacco shag. The mentioning of Rutger Hauer and Jackie Brown. The bride's name is Beatrix, the name of the royal Dutch queen. It sounds like fucking coincidences to me, because, I mean, you know, the Netherlands aren't like the world's most obscure country or anything. Did you know that on the first Bloodhound Gang album, Use Your Fingers, there's a song called We Are The Knuckleheads, which has a sample from Reservoir Dogs, which is Harvey Keitel saying, Take the butt of your gun and smash their nose in? Dang, I didn't know that, because I don't listen to the fucking monkey band. But, uh... Yeah, I wonder if Quentin Tarantino asked for co-writing credit on that, too. I, I, bet, I bet he probably did. Was he even sadder as Harvey Keitel is the first actor Quentin Tarantino ruined in, in Reservoir Dogs? You know, because he's in Taxi Driver, and he's fucking awesome in that. So poor Harvey Keitel ruined, like Al Pacino and Sam Jackson, Brad Pitt, and all the rest of them. Did you know that in Pulp Fiction, when Buddy Holly first appears, he seems to appear out of thin air? Watch it. You'll see Vincent walking with Mia a clip ahead of him. One second Buddy is not there, the next he's waiting on a table. Maybe it's a continuity error. Did that ever cross your mind? Did you know that QT almost named Pulp Fiction Black Masks?
Yeah, that'd be a more accurate title. Well, not really, because I don't think there's any black masks in it, but... Pulp Fiction doesn't work, because it's not, it's not any... It, 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 like, tries to be like Pulp Fiction, except it doesn't understand the staples and conventions of the genre. So, you know, in, any name would really be more accurate than Pulp Fiction. He could have called it, uh, McSwormafest 1999, or whenever Pulp Fiction came out. He could have called it Jackrabbit Jack's Bowling Alley and the Wild Times at the fucking Swimming Pool Car. I don't even know, it's so fucking stupid. Apparently, his perfect woman has to like sitting in the third row and has to like his smell. Then he said, not B.O. I'm just wondering what the hell else. The third row? Seriously? You don't sit in the back? Man, I can only imagine what going to the movies with Quentin Tarantino must be like. It must be fucking booming. You can't even see everything. You have to tilt your head back because the screen is so huge. Third row, like seriously. Jeez. Anyway, that's way too close to a movie screen. The ringtone from Sophie Fatal's phone in Kill Bill is our, is our national anthem. The Dutch, that is. That has probably been mentioned before. The now-renowned directors Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery got their first Hollywood jobs in 1986 as production assistants on a workout video called Maximum Potential. Maybe that's where maybe that's where the shirtless Quentin Tarantino photo is from. The director, John Langley, knew them from the video store where Tarantino was working. Not until Quentin Tarantino had arrived on location, however, did the future director receive his assignment. Cleaning dog feces from the front line of the house in which the video was being shot. He was he wasn't even in he wasn't even in the, the video, he just cleaned up dog shit. That's pretty funny. I, I wish Quentin Tarantino was assigned to menial labor like that these days. I wish he just cleaned out bathrooms and stuff and you know, street swept or something. I th I think the world of cinema would be a lot better off with him just out there, you know, cleaning toilets cuz he's not a good director, but uh anywho, let, let's see. Did you know that in every Tarantino movie, there is always some kind of running element in them all? In every Tarantino movie, someone drinks coffee, someone is in a diner, someone listens to the radio, and someone drinks alcohol. Oh my god. You mean to tell me that in every Quentin Tarantino movie, there's a scene set in a diner? Oh my gosh, a restaurant scene. This is some kind of incredible narrative thing on the part of Quentin Tarantino. It's hilarious to see all these people picking apart Quentin Tarantino movies, like people pick apart 2001 or The Shining or something. It's really funny. I, I flippin' love it. Because they actually think Quentin Tarantino has some kind of grand plan for all his properties or something. Amazing. This, this is fucking mind-blowing. He makes a reference to the Netherlands in all of his movies. Lawrence Bender has a cameo in all of his movies. 
And of course, the trunk shots. This March 2007 now, and someone says, Did you know that Quentin turned 44 yesterday? Amazing. Quentin Tarantino ages? I had no idea. I thought he was immortal. Amazing. This is some seriously thought-provoking trivia here. And then someone makes fun of that by saying, Did you know that NASA sent these things called rockets into space during the 1960s? Uh, pretty funny. Okay, we got... So then someone brings up that the ringtone on Sophie Fattel's phone isn't, isn't the Dutch national anthem, it's Old Lang Syne. And they don't even know the title of Old Lang Syne, so that's that's the level of, of intelligence we're dealing with here. They just call the the ringtone she has is should old acquaintance be forgot the the New Year's you've sung. I don't know the title, and I'm too lazy to fucking Google it. But it it ain't our national anthem. I don't know the title of Old Lang Syne. Uh, I, like, who are these people? Jeez. And then the next thing is, was it Old Lang Syne? Gee, I don't know. What what other song has those lyrics? We're dealing with brilliance here. Then we got the the Susudio rumor, which is I've I've been over this. This isn't Quentin Tarantino. Did you know QT appears for a split second in Phil Collins's Susudio video? No, I didn't know that because that's not him. This poor guy is out there somewhere, like the flippin', you know, that guy on the that guy on the trading card that everyone tried finding, you know, billion to one or whatever. This guy is out there somewhere, and every and everyone just, you know, there's probably like the role that defined his career is probably never in anything else. And this poor guy, everyone gives the credit to Quentin Tarantino. So sad. And of course, this claim isn't backed up with any proof because you can't prove this claim because it's not true. Um, that's not Quentin Tarantino. You'd have to be like really, you really don't know how Quentin Tarantino looks if you think that's Quentin Tarantino. But at least we have a cool old screenshot of old YouTube here back when it was pixelated to shit and everything was 480 res. Or no, like 280 res. Because we're talking... June of 2007 here, man. Damn, doesn't look like him. Or a little bit. Or just a little bit. Is that really him? And then they reply, Check out the YouTube.com video and you tell me. I mean, I like this charm. It's June 2007. They're like, it, it's the YouTube.com video. Brilliant. But, uh... Yeah, that's not him. Believe me, if Phil Collins had worked with Quentin Tarantino, he he would he would have brought it up, but but he hasn't. So that's not that's not Quentin Tarantino. You know, I mean, I don't know that I don't know this rumor persists because the Susudio music video, if you've never seen it, is set in like a, a like a pub, like an English pub, and it's Phil Collins, and he's he's like. Well, it's our last song, 
here, here's our, here's a tune called Susudio, and then he busts into Susudio. Except, it's, it's not just like a candid, sh it's not just, it's not just Phil Collins, it's not, it's not live footage, it's a staged music video with prearranged footage, so they would have had to hire this guy who looks like Quentin Tarantino, so the producer of the music video, you know, the, the cast manager, whoever, would, would remember if it's Quentin Tarantino, and they'd have the cast list. It's not Quentin Tarantino. This is so fucking stupid. Uh, this guy is Asian. And also, his hair is way longer than Quentin Tarantino's. Like, I know Quentin Tarantino is balding, but his hair was never this long. So then someone's like, ha ha ha, that's not him at all. Even back in 2007, this, this bullshit didn't hold any water. Did you know that Quentin did not cast Bruce Willis in Grindhouse? Bruce showed up on the set like, who am I playing? Yeah, probably not. I don't think so. I don't think that kind of spontaneity occurs in Quentin Tarantino's movies. I think they're the most manufactured experiences alive. I don't think Quentin Tarantino is, a, is an indie, is, you know, he's not an indie filmmaker who has to get a cast you know, cobble them together from scratch, and someone just shows up on set randomly, and it's their big break. You know, when Bruce Willis is just walking onto your set at random, I really don't think Bruce Willis is just going to walk onto your set at random. I think Bruce Willis is going to get paid, and he's, he's going to be arranged beforehand. But that's a fun little quirky story anyway, that, that the flippin' diehard guy is just going to at random just walk onto your set. Brilliant. Yeah, sure, I, bl I, I believe that. He was originally offered to, to the chance to direct Men in Black and Speed, but turned them down. Has stated that he would like to make and star in a film telling the story of John Brown, the abolitionist. Dang, it's a good thing I'm going to make a John Brown comic first. I know Quentin Tarantino only has one movie left in him, so hopefully it's not his John Brown movie. Maybe this was before Django, or I don't know when Django was released, but... Hopefully his last movie isn't about John Brown, because I'm going to make that fucking comic, and it's going to be way better than a comic that Quentin, or a movie that Quentin Tarantino would make. Man, I hope he doesn't go into the comic business sometime. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's great that, uh, you know, it's, it's great that he turned down the chance to direct Men in Black, because Men in Black would have been trash if Quentin Tarantino had directed it. Luckily, it wasn't directed by Quentin Tarantino, and that's why Men in Black is fucking awesome. Why it's one of the best sci-fi movies of the flippin' 90s. Man, if Quentin Tarantino had directed it, it would have been a garbage mess. I don't know if that one's true, but, you know, let's hope not, because I don't even want to think of Quentin Tarantino in, in relation to an awesome sauce movie like flippin' Men in Black. Uh... Man, and he says he'd like to star in a movie about John Brown. I can't even imagine him starring as John Brown, but he probably would, given that he thinks he's such a such a uh, you know a, a genius when it comes to racial type content. Well, with how he rips off black exploitation movies and everything that were made by actual black people, brilliant. Anyway. 
Yeah, I can't imagine him playing John Brown. He keeps saying he's going to, like, star in one of his movies these days, but I really don't think he ever will, because he's, he's just not that good an actor. If you've, if you've ever seen the guy, guy can't act for shit. That's why he has to hire Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis and all these competent actors to be in his movies for him, because he's not a good actor. He talks like a gerbil on coke. You know that QT collects cereal boxes? He's a huge fan of the Tyra Banks show, Battlestar Galactica, CSI, and American Idol. All makes sense. Those are all pretty crap. Did you... I don't know if they're talking about the, the old Battlestar Galactica or the new one. But anyway. He's more... Com Did you know that Quentin Tarantino is more comfortable in women's company than men? Yeah, I bet. When he's when he's in the company of Margot Robbie, he probably just sticks his tongue out, and he's probably like the mask, but unironically, you know that part in the Jim Carrey movie where he's like a wooga, and it's based uh, off that old like Little Red Riding Hood cartoon. I bet that's how Quentin Tarantino gets whenever he's around a woman, because he's just so he's just so he's so repressed. He's he's so sexually repressed that he just has giant. It, he just has raging testosterone all the time. Yeah, I, I can bet he's more comfortable in women's company than men, because, again, he's not gay, and if he hangs out around too many guys, he's probably like, oh, dang, someone is going to think I'm gay because I have guy friends. Oh, my gosh, yeah, someone's going to think I'm a homo. Oh, dang it, I'm Quentin Tostinos. I'm straight, I'm straight, I'm straight. And it's just sad. Anyway... Yeah, big surprise he's more comfortable in women's companies. Probably, he's, he probably wants to get them comfortable, if you know what I'm saying, because he's a giant just horn dog. During the film, did you know that during the filming of his movies, he always have a day where the men on the set dress up in women's clothes? He calls it dress day or blatant homosexual day. Yeah, that sounds about right. Quentin Tarantino not understanding the difference between being homosexual and being in drag because he's, he's stupid. That sounds about right. Maybe you should read some good books like, you know, Kurt Vonnegut's Breakfast of Champions or something with the character of Harry Lasabra, who's, who's straight and is married to a woman, but also he just likes dressing up in women's clothing sometimes. I just don't know what Quentin Tarantino thinks, and how in 2021 this guy has still not been canceled, because that sounds like something you could be canceled for. This back in, like, this back in July 2007, but it sounds like something you could definitely be canceled. I wonder, I wonder if that was a thing during Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if he, like, put... Leonardo DiCaprio in like a dress or something that'd be pretty funny but he's probably cut the practice out now because he because he learned the difference between homosexuality and drag or maybe maybe he just maybe he you know maybe he just maybe he's not willing to admit that there's a difference because he thinks all 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 the non you know all that stuff is the same thing in the same category but but he like for some reason I guess, I don't even know. Anyway. Did you know that he's a big fan of Roy Rogers and his horse Trigger? 
I didn't know that, but that sounds like the kind of thing he'd be a fan of. That that does sound like the like the kind of thing Quentin Tarantino would be into. He's all he's also probably into Lone Ranger and a bunch of good stuff, but he doesn't he doesn't know how to translate any of that to film because he's incompetent. In here. Oh no, not a question. I'll reply to that after the Q&A. Let's see here. Did you know that he bit Fergie during the filming of Planet Terror while playing a zombie in her lovely lady lump to get a real reaction from her and she tasted Fergalicious? And, and this is apparently sourced from the Jimmy Kimmel show. Which I guess is a precursor to the one Jimmy Kimmel's doing now, sometime between the Man Show and now. But uh, yeah, that does sound like something Quentin Tarantino would 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 do, and it, and he's darn lucky that Fergie didn't didn't uh, sue his ass. That's 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 he's he's he gets away with so much shit. It's it's wild. He's more comfortable in women's company than men. And then a fellow says, This attribute always worries me when a guy tells me that. Most have later come out of the closet. No, that's not what that means. It just means he's horny for, for women. It doesn't mean he's gay. Because you can be comfortable in women's company and be straight, and you can be uncomfortable in men's company and... And be and be gay. Jeez, these. Uh, I, I'm I'm criticizing people from 2007 about being enlightened about homosexuality, but you know, then again, this is 2007. It's not exactly 1950. So, only on the Quentin Tarantino archives, man. Anyway, someone says that's not Quentin. That's a puppet from Team America. No, it's just some it's just some poor guy who's got whose name we don't know. And that's sad cuz the studio is an awesome song and that guy really lends his presence to it. And when I made a meme out of him back in uh 2019, I didn't even know that that there was a rumor that he looked like Quentin Tarantino cuz obviously he doesn't, but it's just stupid. Anyway, at the age of 14, he wrote his first script, The Amazing Adventures of Mr. Lee. Incredible. Was it made into a movie? I bet not. Shortly after Quentin's birth, his mother marries Zestupel. Okay, fine. Already, already heard that. In a recent interview with The Telegraph, he mentioned an idea for a form of spaghetti western set in America's Deep South, which he calls a Southern, stating that he wanted to do movies that deal with America's horrible past with slavery and stuff, but do them like spaghetti westerns. Uh, I want to do them like their genre films. So that's probably his early idea for Django. Because I haven't seen Django mentioned yet, so I think this is pre-Django. But, you know... Black exploitation movies already do that, Quentin. I'm sorry, but that they they do, because they're made by black people. So you know, I I think 
think they can do it better than you. Anyway, let's see here. Did you know that he dated Sher Jackson? I don't think they officially dated. They would just go to movies together as friends, and he'd, he'd and he asked her to take off her shoes so he could see those feet. Uh, let's see. A bit of our Quentin's philosophy. Let's YouTube video. And then he says, the, and then I guess somewhere in the, I'm not going to watch this interview. Because I can't stand listening to Quentin Tarantino talk for a prolonged period of time, but it says he has ADHD. Maybe that's why he never finishes these all these projects he starts, because he doesn't have conviction. Jeez, the, none of this trivia is even remotely interesting. All right, here we go. Let's let's see some more of this crazy trivia. As much as I love di so discussing a thing where Daniel Day-Lewis auditioned to be in Pulp Fiction. So they say, I don't think he'd fit in Pulp Fiction. Obviously, nobody fits in Pulp Fiction because you don't put John Travolta and Bruce Willis and Christopher Walken and Uma Thurman in the same movie and expect it to be good. It's just a hodgepodge of big names. Uh, anyway so 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 good it's so 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 good it's so 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 good i caught it on the bids big screen first film i went to see with my dad since a decade loved it revolta was the perfect guy to fill the vincent role he was so chill vincent isn't even a character not even a character no vinnie barbarino is a fucking character from welcome back cotter that's a character Vincent isn't a character. Vincent is just a name. He probably ripped it off from Vincent Price or something. Anyway, let's see here. Did you know that Tennessee, that T Tarantino was born in Knoxville, Tennessee? Tennessee is mentioned in three of his films. Pulp Fiction, Death Proof, some of the film takes place in Lebanon, Tennessee, and Inglorious Bastards. Do you know that Tarantino can't spell Inglorious Bastards? LMAO. I think that I think that misspelling is intentional. Then again, if Tarantino really d did not spell bastards correctly, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that I think that's stylized. Anyways, the stupid ellipses in Hollywood. Anywho, let's see here. More trivia. Hey, this isn't really QT trivia. I just didn't know where else to put it and didn't want to make a new thread. Basically, when I watched Death Proof yesterday and noticed that Jungle Julia says she's upset ab about, I think it's Chris Simonson when he doesn't call her on her birthday or something. I can't quite remember, but she is annoyed anyway over something that didn't happen on her birthday. Later, Abernathy is pissed that the director, Cecil Evans, slept with Daryl Hannah's stand-in on Abernathy's birthday. They have quite a few lines centered around your birthday. It just made me think that QT thinks of a lot of birthdays, or thinks girls think a lot of birthdays. That it's a sacred day, so much that he so that he hints towards its significance in his movie twice from two different characters. 
or maybe people just have birthdays. I don't think Quentin Tarantino thinks girls in particular think a lot of birthdays. I think everyone thinks a lot about their birthday. It's a thing that everyone has. So there. Think that I don't think this is trivia. I think, I I think it's just that people have birthdays. Well, I just finished watching True Romance, and it turns out Clarence's boss Lance sets up a call girl for Clarence on his birthday. But not only that, this girl is actually the love of his life. I just found it interesting that I took heed of the birthday thing in Death Proof, and then to notice it in True Romance too. It's clear to me that Quinn puts importance on a birthday. Also, I think True Romance and Death Proof are his most personal films. Romance more so, as it has many semi-autobiographical aspects, and you can tell Death Proof is very personal to him, not just with having things in it that he probably, probably has in his real life, but how he went about making it all. It's way different to anything else he's done. No, Death Proof isn't any different, except it kind of... It's kind of the moment when Quentin Tarantino tried ripping off more than he ever had before. I'd say that's a point at which he completely abandoned any notion of originality and just completely stole the aesthetic of the 70s and adopted it as his own. I don't think Death Proof is based on anything he probably has in his real life. I don't think there's such a real thing as a real car that you can drive around and you won't die no matter what. I don't, I don't think that's a thing that Quentin Tarantino has. That's a, that's a movie. Let's check out some more. Let let's check out some more uh, trivia here. This is a long thread. To th to think about how long this is, amazing. Approaching the end here. This thread is actually a little shorter than I thought it was. Seriously though, that was not lost on me while watching those movies. I get it. The birthdays are a special day to them. I think, I think birthdays are a special day to most people. It's called a birthday. Quentin Tarantino didn't invent the concept of a birthday, believe it or not. And if you read anything into the tell-the-truth writer thing he talks about, then yeah, it's not hard to imagine that he's probably fucked up loads of relationships with girls by forgetting their birthdays, or fucking random stand-in chicks on the day, or maybe he's gotten fucked over on his own birthdays throughout his life. Yeah, I bet, he, I bet he's ordered a hundred prostitutes uh, on his birthday. That sounds so much like Quentin Tarantino. But yeah, Quentin loves birthdays. They're special to him. And good on him for not falling into that birthdays are just another day bullshit. I love that. Who thinks birthdays are just another day? They're a birthday. They, they hold significance to the person whose birthday it is. Fucking absurd. Birthdays are important, and when someone cares enough to say happy birthday, it's like saying I'm glad you were born, because you're important to me. Giving a shit that you're here, that kind of thing. I've got a friend who looks at us another day, and although they care about me, would never wish me a, a happy birthday in his life, and he's my best friend. So it kind of sucks when no one cares to send the very best, so to speak. I'm glad Quentin Tarantino thinks they're important. Shows what a quality human being he really is. Yeah, sure. Celebrate, says happy birthday on someone's birthday. Really proving what an incredible specimen of humanity he is. Birthdays do rock. Best day of the year. And then someone says, 
It does look like a very young Quentin in the Phil Collins video, but if you freeze the frame, you can tell the guy in the video has blue eyes. Quentin's eyes are undeniably brown. Yeah, and also his, his hair is like way, way longer than Quentin Tarantino's hair. Yeah, it's not him, and I think he doesn't so much look like him. And then that—that's—that's that's the end of the—that's uh, the end of the thread. There says it ends around 2010. I don't know why this thread was closed. I guess it's just because all this trivia is so lame. Anyway, it's it's four tw it's 4:28. So I got half an hour left. All right, it, it's 4:30, and I'm just I'm just gonna watch a little snippet of Quentin Tarantino's first movie, my my best friend's birthday. Uh, as the thread states, birthdays are very important to Mr. Tarantino. He doesn't just see them as another day; he treats them like a birthday. So, you know, uh, obviously his first movie is called My Best Friend's Birthday. What a genius. Let's let's check it out here. Uh, and the comments are great. It would be really cool to see him review this while watching it. It's like a blueprint for everything you do after this. Incredible to see. The way Tarantino talks is just so cool to me in general. He, t he talks like a, he talks like Rick Moranis if Rick Moranis wasn't funny or self-aware. Let's see Quentin Tarantino, my best friend's birthday. Ah man, it's an incomplete story, so obviously it's going to be garbage quality, and people will of course blame it being garbage quality and and it's on VHS, but it's actually just garbage quality because Quentin Tarantino isn't good at making movies. So this is indeed a blueprint for everything that follows. Let's let's hit play here and see what happens. All right. What's going on? Here we go. Okay. Right. Oh, this is amazing. Quentin Tarantino's voice, and he's like. For those of you who just turned in, we're talking with Annie Oakley. She's the leader of the Eddie Cochran fan club. Do you remember when he died? And then you see Quentin Tarantino and this other guy in a, like a window. And God, this is this is this is why Quentin Tarantino's not in any of his movies because he can't talk. He d he doesn't know how to talk. He talks like the way he talks is so annoying that if he was in any of his mo like the character he plays in Little Nicky, the the Reverend who's like on speed or whatever, that's how that's how he actually talks. So if he if he was ever in like any if he if he was ever in a movie aside from just like a cameo or something, it'd be unbearable. This, this guy talks like. Oh, well, let's hear some more. Well, I was three, but I remember this like it was yesterday. He t his body language is so exaggerated. He's like he's like a cartoon character, but not like Jim Carrey, not like a fun type cartoon character. He's like the cartoon character that stays in the in the bargain bin at Walmart because they're so lame. 
like Thomas and the Magic Railroad or something. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, the blue eyes just felt depressed for no reason whatsoever. Just like that dark cloud hanging over me. And, and he uses his hands. And the guy next to him seems like an okay actor. He's just like this... He's just this kind of hefty Hispanic guy. And he's like crossing his arm. And he's so reserved compared to Quentin. You can see the difference. It's like Quentin is on coke all the time. He's just he's just like snorting that sweet sugar, and he just can't stop. He just can't stop. He's thundering right through. Boom, boom, boom. He can't flip and stop. He can't take a breath because he's just so fucking full of vitriol and energy. He's got to get to it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Man, I, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to episode 50 of the Q&A, because after that I get to take a month-long break from the Q&As, and then we're going to start with season 3. But this is season 2 right now, and man, it's 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 hard spending two, two hours of every week uh, on this, so can't, can't wait for the break between season 2 and season 3. I'm going to try and hammer out my new comic, the Divine, the Divine Tapestry. Anyway, continuing with this film... It's in black and white for some reason, even though you know color film was very much an option at this point. And if Quentin Tarantino was actually as much of, a, of an auteur as he claims, he would have just gone out and bought some color film instead of filming the whole thing on what looks like looks like flipping Betamax. Anyway, maybe it's a camcorder. Really, who knows? But I wonder why it's not in color. Maybe it was in color, but he's just such a horrible filmmaker that he lost half of it, and maybe it lost the color too. You know, maybe, maybe that that man. That's just. And it says the budget on this thing was five thousand dollars estimated, according to the Wikipedia page. Uh, so it was originally seventy minutes, and then it, it, it turned out to be only thirty-six minutes. That sounds about right, losing half your movie. Or, or a little under half your movie. And it's distributed by a company called Super Happy Fun, which sounds like that SNL sketch about the Super Happy Fun Ball. So that that's pretty funny. I think this was before that, though. It is the most overtly comedic film that Tarantino has made, says... Uh, says the Wikipedia article. Let's see just how funny this is. Man, I bet Quentin Tarantino, you know, he's good at, he's great at dramas, he's great at character development, so I bet he's just great at, at, at being a funny man, too. Mr. Funny Man, if ever there was one. This is so, this is so, this is so bad. He, he just got, he says he got a bunch of video store and acting class buddies, and the crew is just his his cohorts at the video archives shop. These guys sell movies. They don't make movies. They don't know what they're doing. They they just would you trust a cashier at Blockbuster to to make a movie? I probably wouldn't. He just sells VHS tapes. This this is so so this is so amateur. And they're supposed to look like a flippin' Eddie Cochran show, but they just have, like, this American flag hung up behind them and some records. Like, jeez. How's this the Eddie Cochran hour?
Out of the blue, I feel depressed for no reason whatsoever. I was gonna commit suicide. I was actually gonna commit suicide. I was actually gonna slice open my veins. I was actually gonna do it, he says. Now, for a three-year-old to be thinking about that, that's really depressing. Yes, I'm sure you're the most angsty three-year-old under the sun, Quentin Turpitino, back in, what was it, 1966? Yeah, I'm sure. Believable story, Mr. Tarantino. The Partridge family saved me. The Partridge family was what saved me. I'll watch the Partridge family and then I'll kill myself. I already heard this story somewhere. Was the Partridge family even on in 66? Let's see here. Because I, I know Quentin Tarantino is playing a character who could be younger or older than actual Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, Part Partridge Family ran from 1970 to 1974, so it's impossible that this is a real story that actually happened to Quentin Tarantino, because he was born in 63, so he if he was three years old, it would be 1966, and the Partridge Family didn't start until 1970, so I think this story is fake. I'm just tossing that out there. He's a time traveler, and he was able to watch the Partridge family before it existed somehow, I guess. The script is garbage. It's like something from flipping Neil Breen. How does anyone think this guy is a real director? It's like a Neil Breen thing. He thinks all that there is to acting is just waving his hands around and talking fast. It was all kind of... And, and he waves his hand flat. Like, this isn't how someone talks about committing suicide. Like, oh, I was going to watch a partridge family. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, this guy, this guy, Quentin, Quentin, Quentin Torpatino. It's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of funny, like a Neil Breen movie. But I'm not laughing at it because it's, it's like a real comedy, like, like carnal knowledge or something. This is shit. And then Quentin's like, what are we talking about? Oh, Eddie Cochran, right? We're talking about Eddie Cochran? This is awful. We're talking about Eddie Cochran. Start talking about Eddie Cochran. It's the Eddie Cochran show, isn't it? So then we got this bit here where... We got we got the DJ played by one of Quentin Torpatino's incredible video archive acting buddies, and he's like, "Oh, request? What is it?" And he picks up a pencil, and he's wearing this tacky shirt that you could only see in 1987. Waddly Acha, what's Waddly Acha? God, this is... Why does this thing exist? I mean, I'm glad some of it was found so you can see just what a train wreck Tarantino's career has been. Then a guy pulls out a bunch of food from a bag. You can tell this movie was made by people who aren't actually interested in filmmaking. They just... 
They just take a couple acting classes and they think they know all there is to it. You know, theater kids. This is like a textbook example. This is like something that the that the annoying theater brats in a Disney Channel original movie would make if they if they had the budget, if they had five thousand dollars to toss around and buy some records and an American flag, they'd they'd go for this. We don't have teddy bears technique either. This acting is trash. It's not even that hard to act good. You just need to get into it. You just need to get into a certain mindset. But this guy's like, can it be that you perish the thought of arrived early? The scripted dialogue that does not fit these characters or these actors, but Quentin Tarantino just writes it because he thinks this is how people talk. Can it be that you perish the thought or actually early? Why don't you try? Why don't we try Taste Scout? Oh my god, th these characters are flipping taking their hands off their shins and slapping it onto their shins so much that it's like a flipping earthquake. They're they're so animated. And I, I know I just know Quentin Tarantino's like, yeah, you gotta slap your shins when you emphasize something like Can it be that you perish the thought or early? Jeez. Can it be that do you got anything to eat? You got some ho-hos? You got some wiki-plicks? Whatever this is, this is all just nonsense, but I guess Quentin Tarantino thinks it's funny, because, again, this is supposed to be a comedy. Yeah, yeah, you got some? Well, I got some animal crackers. Hey, uh, don't eat the gorillas. Jeez, this is a time capsule right here. The one guy says, Buddy, you, you, you feel like, you look like shit. And the other guy's like, Buddy, I feel like diarrhea. I bet Quentin Tarantino thought he was really clever with that one, like that shit and diarrhea are the same thing, but it's actually just repetitive. This is like, this is like a bad Jake Paul video. This, this is what Jake Paul would have been doing in 1987 if, if, if he was that old. I feel more connected to the past knowing that stupid content like this was made back then too, you know. This is 1987 and we already got flipping. Oh, he was taking a big shit. Ay, 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 ay. Obviously, Quentin, Quentin Torpatino hoped he would get all the clout, just like how Jake Paul does. He's got a whole lot what? A whole lot? You want some gum? What's your deal? I'm exaggerated coughing. What is this shit? And he goes into a coughing fit. This is amazing. And then the, the other guy's like, 
It's garlic gum. I pranked you, bro. And he's like, oh, these are gross. <laughs> this is great. Last night, Jerry and I, we got really stoned, okay? We got all fucked up. You ever been to the novelty shop fucked up? It's an experience, let me tell ya. Let me tell ya, going to the novelty shop while you're on the marijuana is a fucked up experience, man. This is what Quentin Tarantino thinks constitutes character development, just... I was fucked up, man, I was at the novelty shopper. Hey, I'm a fucked up cowboy, and I'm having a midlife crisis, man. Hey, I'm Margot Robbie, and I'm gonna put my feet on the seat, oh, man. I'm Margot Robbie, and I have man, I have a pedicure, man. It's awful. This acting is horrible. These, these, these video rental store employees don't know how to they don't know how to deliver lines cuz you know they're not actors this is good god damn these things anyway jesus and he fake struggles with a packet of i guess breath mints or something i don't know god damn these fucking things ooh ooh and he shoves it in his mouth like he's a like he's a fucking bulldozer this is amazing. This is the stuff that later on would earn him an Academy Award. Brilliant. Amazing. Quentin Tarantino, you sharp genius, you. So anyway, says Quentin Tarantino, who is really absorbed by the sound of his own voice. So anyway, skip 20 years later. I find out the very day I felt so depressed for no reason whatsoever. Just so happens to be the very same day that the greatest rock and roller of all time bite the funk. It was Eddie Cochran, and he was dead, baby, and, and, he, and, he, and he was actually dead. Amazing. This is incredible. The same day you watch, you watch the Partridge Family, even though it was too early to watch a part. But it says it. But Eddie Cochran died in, in 1960, so. Th this timeline is just all screwed up. The timeline just makes no sense. Does he mean Eddie Cochran? Does he mean Eddie Cochran? This is pathetic. This acting is garbage. Quentin Tarantino sounds like he sounds like he sounds like an unoiled he sounds like the tin man before he gets oiled up. He sounds like his vocal cords are just straining at the seams. Jeez. Um, yeah. Eddie Cochran died in 1960. Except, you know, 
we're talking the Partridge family, and that's not until 1970. And given the time frame of Quentin Tarantino, he was three years old in 1966. So this is the kind of not understanding history that that Quentin Tarantino goes through. He doesn't understand how the years line up, and he doesn't understand how the 50s and 60s were. He was alive in the 60s, but he never really, it never really sunk into him, so he just thinks, Oh, Eddie Cochran and the Partridge family, that, that was the 60s, and the Mansons, and, and Sharon Tate, that was this, that, that was the 60s, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that was all, that was just the 60s. He doesn't understand that, you know, there's, there's a specific time frame for these things, I guess. A Motel 6 or a Sambo's or something. We're here with uh, Lenny Elvis, the leader of the Eddie Cochran fan club. We'll be back in one odd second. Don't go away. Did you know that Eddie Cochran wiped his mouth with this handkerchief? Yeah, sounds like the kind of shit that Quentin Tarantino would make up later. Hey, did you know that I had sex with Sharon Tate when she was 23 and I was 9? Man, it was awesome. Hollywood in, in 1969, you should have been there. Except he, he wasn't. Uh, no, he would have been 7 in 69. This is, this is just absurd. Hey, did you know that I had sex with a hooker when I was 16, which is underage? Man, did you know that? I, I, I had sex too early, and now I'm sexually repressed, and I have weird f foot fetish. I'm Quentin Toast... I'm Quentin Toast... I'm Quentin Toasties. You got a cornucopia stuff in that box. Just stop bringing it out, man. Oh, man, Quentin Tur... Quentin Turkey using a big word there. This is radio. This is not television. They gotta hear it. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Tur thanks, Torpatino. I wouldn't have known that unless you unless you pointed it out. I thought I thought you could see things on radio. Incredible. It turns out turns out you can't see things over the radio. Amazing. This this poor Hispanic guy. He's he's actually seems like a good actor. I wonder what he's up to these days. To, th to think that this is probably his first role, sitting next to Quentin Torpatino talking about, Hey man, I was feeling really depressed, but then I see the Partridge family, and I'm like, The Partridge family, man, I gotta see the Partridge family. And they, uh, I don't know why I kill myself anymore, because the Partridge family was just so funny, and it was 1966, and the Partridge family doesn't even exist till 1970, but well, what the heck, you know? No, sorry, I don't play requests. Because when I'm jock, I play what I want to play when I want to play it. God, if Quentin Tarantino ran his own radio show, I can only imagine it'd just be all this obscure shit that's better than his music. I bet, he, I bet he's probably tried venturing into music at some point. He's probably recorded his own album. Well, someday, maybe you can be a jock and you can play what you want to play. Well, if your tastes are as respected as mine, you will.
I don't give a shit what unruly Julie plays on her show. I don't care. Listen to unruly Julie then dickbait. Well, fuck your mama. Yeah, I don't think the FCC is, is gonna be too happy about that if this is an actual radio show. But then again, Quentin Tarantino doesn't understand how the FCC works. Now you can't just say the F word on air. He also doesn't seem to understand how anything in, in the DJ profession works. He's, he's not, he's not, he's not like a teenager at this point, so it's not excusable. He's just, it's just sad, because he doesn't understand all this stuff, but he's pretending like he does. What's this poster in the back, in the background here? It looks like it's some kind of poster for some movie. True Blood or something. Who knows? It, it's some kind of poster. I don't know. Man, Unruly Julie sounds like a much better DJ than the Quentin Tostito Hour. I, 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 I wish Unruly Julie's radio show was real. I'd much rather listen to her. She probably has a much more enlightened opinion and doesn't say F you when someone just calls in for a request, you know? That's not polite. Gosh, this is weird. This is just... Otis, like the town drunk on the Andy Griffith show. I, th I think Quentin Tostitos doesn't understand that this isn't how normal people converse with one another, just bringing up random pop culture references every five seconds. Might be how Quentin Tostitos talks, but, you know, not everyone does that. So only he should be written with these kind of lines, and for the characters that aren't Quentin Totitos, he should he should just you know write them to talk like normal people. But Doritos isn't capable of that. Oh boy, it's a bag of Coke. Man, this is really edgy. We're talking bags of cocaine here. Now we know where Quentin Ter now we know where Quentin Carpatino gets his secret stash from. Jerry and I, you know, Jerry. So I guess it it wasn't marijuana that they got fucked up on last night and went to the novelty store with. It was it was coke, man. We were on cocaine for real. And he just got a bag of flour. This is this is the saddest thing. Reduced to reduced to taking a bag of flour and saying it's cocaine because. You don't know any narrative devices other than rampant drug use. Jeez. Man, I got a bag of coke for you here. We got fucked up last night. Dang, it's a good thing that, that the Quentin Topatino show isn't on air. The FCC would probably have something to say about that. The DJs and guests sharing coke with each other on, on, on air. That doesn't sound very, uh, that doesn't sound very kosher there. Man, we got the good shit, man. We got fucked up last night. This is what Quentin Tarantino thinks constitutes a good movie. It's so sad. This other guy with the glasses, the one who got fucked up last night at the Novelty Shore, is he, he's even less good at fake talking on the phone than Quentin Carpet. He, he, 
like there's no room for the other for the person on the other side of the phone to speak. If you can't fake if you can't fake talk into a phone convincingly, then just don't do it because you have to carry on the illusion that you're actually having a conversation with someone. A girl. What's her name? Holly. Polly. Polly is on the phone right now for me. Listen. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. Keep her on the line. I'll be out there in a minute. Okay. Don't let her go. Under no circumstances. Don't let her go. Don't hang up. Uh, 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 uh. And then he and he waves around with his arms like. Uh, 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 uh. This is the fakest acting I've ever seen. All right. I hit the seven minute mark on a. Quentin, Quentin, Quentin Doritos, my best friend's birthday, 1987 short film. So that that's that's good enough for me for now. I'll probably return to this sometime in season three because Quentin Quadrito is one of those characters that you know he's just very interesting. He's a very eccentric figure, and uh, he's interesting to talk about. I mean, he's he's Quentin Guacamolito, you know. What can you not like about the charming genius, the devil, the 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 madcap whiz banger that is Quentin Guacamolito, and his incredible movies where people do coke and get killed? Amazing, brilliant. And did you also know that he takes birthdays seriously, and sometimes in his movies birthdays are mentioned? Yeah, me neither. This is the sort of incredible stuff you can learn if you take a Quentin Corporito. A deep dive because you can only learn this stuff if you're a serious Quentin scholar uh, like I am. Anyway, that's going to do it for this installment of the Nicholas Comics Q&A. Buy some Nicholas Comics. Uh, anywho, uh, yeah, if, if I sell enough comics, I, I might get that it's a time in Hollywood novelization because you know, I'm, I'm giving Quentin Tarantino too much money anyway. You know, what? what's the the drawback. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. That was fun. It's 5 o'clock and we've got a lot of stuff to work on. Working on the Divine Tapestry. Should be out pretty soon. Maybe a month. Maybe two months. That general area. Sometime in August, September. Maybe possibly early October. But I'm hoping I can get my Shaun of the Dead parody out by, by Halloween. So that's going to do it for this week. And uh, I'm going to go listen to Unruly Julie or Julie Unruly or whatever her name is because she's much much better listening experience than a Quentin, Quentin Carpet. That's going to do it for this week. Go down to the party. Do you want to be on the show? Shop, I said. Join the okay. Nicholas Comics Discord server <laughs> no, today. Thanks. I'll answer any questions wheel, you have. I don't you can appear in the next episode. You want to buy Nicholas party. Comics? Great to. I'm a dizzy, dizzy wheel. 1424 Columbine Street, number one, Denver, Colorado, 80206. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you on the next episode.